0: In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. So, God willing, today we're going to um, study the last part of the book of First Kings. God willing, we're going to finish First Kings today, um, right before um, we take a little break for Holy Week. Um, so, if anyone remembers, um, what is it that we kind of s- where w- where did we stop last time um, in in our in our study? Remember, what were we talking about? Elijah went to Mount Sinai. Okay, Elijah went to Mount Sinai to do what?
1: God called him there because he was falling into depression?
0: Yeah, so he he fled, right, after after the scene where he calls down fire from heaven to consume the sacrifice. And um, proving the, the, the truth of God, um, he, um, Jezebel, the queen, is seeking his life, so he flees. Okay, And um, he goes there, and when he is there, um, there are these powerful manifestations of earthquakes and winds and all these things. And in the end, um, God speaks to him in the soft voice, in the uh, still, small voice. Um, And then at that time, the Lord tells him several things. He tells him that he's going to anoint Elisha, who is going to be his successor. He tells him that he's going to go to Israel and anoint kings there, which is actually going to be something that is fulfilled in the life of Elisha, um, his disciple. Um, And there is going to be uh, a war, or or there is a war, between the king of Syria, who at the time, do you remember his name? King of Syria? Ben-Hadad. Okay Ben Haddad is the current king of Syria. He's going to come and attack Ahab um, but the Lord is with Ahab and and he wins uh, because of God's help. but what does Ahab do at the end when he captures the king of Syria? He makes a treaty with him and allows him to to escape, um, which is which is something that God um, was not happy with him about and he says that he's going to be punished um, because he, uh, because he did that that's kind of w- where we left off in, in chapter 20. Okay, so now we'll speak about chapter 21. Okay, it says, and it came to pass after these things that Naboth, the Jezreelite, had a vineyard, which was in Jezreel, next to the place of Ahab, king of Samaria. So Ahab spoke to Naboth, saying, Give me your vineyard, that I may have it for a vegetable garden, because it is near, next to my house, and for it I will give you a vineyard better than it, or if it seems good to you, I will give you its worth in money. Okay, so there is this simple man. His name is Naboth. He owns a vineyard, and it happens to be, he, like he's like the neighbor of the king. He's in the right next to the palace. And Ahab, he sees this vineyard, and he desires it. Okay, so he tells um, Naboth, I have other vineyards. I will give you a better vineyard than this one. Just trade for me this vineyard that you have and i'll give you something far better but naboth said to ahab the lord forbid that i should give the inheritance of my fathers to you okay so what was his response why did he say that
1: like to him it was more than just land
0: it was more than just land. It had sentimental value. It was something that had been in his family for a long time. He cared about it. So he said, no, I, I will not. Like he did not feel like he, was, he had to give in to the request of the king. Even though he is the king, he felt like, no, I, 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 I want to keep this vineyard. So I will not give you the inheritance, uh, my inheritance, even if uh, you, you, you pay me something of, of higher monetary value. So Ahab went into his house sullen and displeased, because of the word which Naboth the Jezreelite had spoken to him, for he had said, "I will not give you the inheritance of my fathers." And he lay down on his bed and turned away his face and would eat no food. So what do you think about his response?
1: a little dramatic.
0: A- dramatic, right? See, it maybe it reminds us of like how a young child would r- respond when their parents tell them that they can't have what they want. He's having like a tantrum, okay? And he's sad and depressed, right? He doesn't want to eat any food, right? He's he h- his reaction is very uh kind of like surprising actually. Like he's the king, right? So he has so many things, he has so many things. Um but when the smallest simplest thing that he doesn't get his reaction is kind of like petulant right so um, it tells us something about uh, Ahab that he maybe feels very entitled he feels like everything that he wants should be his Um, and anything that he wants he takes it Um, and that's the way he's been running his kingdom he hasn't been Following the authority of under the authority of God, he's just doing whatever he wants and whatever wherever his emotions take him. This is what he uh, wants to acquire for himself. Um, There's no self-discipline. There's no restraint. There's no um, there's no kind of sense of like right and wrong. It's just whatever I want, I will obtain for myself. Um, And so, very sadly, like when you have someone in a leadership position. Who cares more about their own personal desires and their own personal gain rather than the good of the nation Um, you have someone like Ahab who turns the entire nation away from God um, because of his personal desires Um, and so um, it was a very uh, childish response that Ahab um, exhibited here when he was told no okay but Jezebel his wife came to him and said to him why is your spirit so sullen that you eat no food he said to her because I spoke to Naboth the Jezreelite and he and and said to him give me your vineyard for money or else if it pleases you I will give you another vineyard for it and he answered I will not give you my vineyard. This sounds like like a child in kindergarten coming home from school sad and then his mom asks him why are you sad and he says well the other kids didn't want to share with me and you know I'm sad like like it's it's very uh, like like you see here like who's the one making the decisions who is like the powerful personality in this marriage it is Jezebel and actually she is the one really behind all of what's happening in Israel he is a very weak man and he is just following whatever she wants whatever it is that she's go- she, she desires he's going to make his effort to give it for her and he has no character in and of himself he has no strength of character he's just like she, she is she is the, and she also is the one who is evil because now she's going to uh, tell Naboth or tell Ahab that she's he, she's gonna go kill him to obtain the vineyard, right? And then Ahab is like, okay, like like he, he's just he's just following what he wants, and she is there to give him what she, what he wants and he, and and share the power with him. But she has she is the one with the vision. She is the one who has hatred and evil in her heart. She is the one who is like conniving and cunning and comes up with these evil plans, right? Um, and Ahab is just kind of like following her. Then Jezebel, his wife, said to him, You now exercise authority over Israel. Arise, eat food, and let your heart be cheerful. I will give you the vineyard of Naboth, the Jezreelite. So she's, she's like, don't cry, Ahab. Um, don't be sad. Um, we'll find a way to get you what you want. Okay? So he, there's no leadership here from his side, and he is simply led by his wife, led by whoever is going to give him what he wants, and, and he is, again, like this petulant child that, that, that like, doesn't know how to manage his own life, let alone an entire kingdom. Okay? Very easily manipulated, very easily influenced, um, has no strength of character, is not going to stand up for what is right, but just kind of accept whatever it is people are willing to give him. And she wrote letters in Ahab's name, sealed them with his seal, and sent the letters to the elders and nobles who were dwelling in the city with Naboth. She wrote in the letter saying, Proclaim a fast and seat Naboth with high honor among the people and seat two men, scoundrels, before him to bear witness against him, saying, You have blasphemed God and the king. Then take him out and stone him that he may die. So the men of his city, the elders and nobles who were inhabitants of his city, did as Jezebel had sent to them as it was written in the letters which she had sent to them. So she made this plan where he's going to be seated at a table, and there's going to be these two men next to him. They're going to bear false witness against him. They're going to say that he is speaking blasphemy and speaking against the king so to give them an excuse to stone him and so that he would be stoned. Okay. So this is is their plan. Um, This is her plan in order for Naboth to die. And of course, once Naboth is dead, then they can easily take his vineyard. They proclaimed a fast and seated Naboth with high honor among the people. And two men, scoundrels, came in and sat before him, and the scoundrels witnessed against him, against Naboth, in the presence of the people, saying, Naboth has blasphemed God and the king. Then they took him outside the city and stoned him with stones so that he died. Then they sent to Jezebel, saying, Naboth has been stoned and is dead. And it came to pass, when Jezebel heard that Naboth had been stoned and was dead, that Jezebel said to Ahab, Arise, take possession of the vineyard of Naboth the Jezreelite, which he refused to give you for money, for Naboth is not alive, but dead. So it was when Ahab heard that Naboth was dead that Ahab got up and went down to take possession of the vineyard of Naboth the Jezreelite. So notice here that, of course, he did not rebuke her for what she did, Um, even though it was not his idea. And maybe his own mind didn't go to as far as saying, let me kill this man in order to take his vineyard. His response was just to be sad and depressed that he couldn't have it. But of course, he knew what is it that she did, and he was fine with it. You know, Someone else did the dirty work for me, but in the end, I have the vineyard that I want, and I'm completely fine with it. He didn't try to rebuke her. Um, not only did he worship idols, but the worship of those idols corrupted his mind and removed all sense from him. Right at no point did he think to himself, "I am killing a man because I want to take his vineyard. I have many vineyards and I have many possessions and great riches and great power more than anyone in Israel." Right, but because there is one thing that I want that I do not have, I'm willing to kill this man in order to obtain it and acquire it for myself. So, this like lack of sense, right, um, that that has corrupted his mind. Right, it's not just a you know the idea of of the nation of Israel not worshiping God and instead worshiping these idol, other idols. The the difference here is not simply one of religious worship. It's not simply a, a situation where it's like, well, we now are going to have these religious rites where we worship these other gods, um, as opposed to using the rights of worshiping the true God. Right? It's not. It's just not like I'm going to change what the, the what I believe and I'm going to change what I worship. There is consequence to this. There is consequence of of, of departing from god even in your normal everyday life in the corruption of your mind so you see this actually in our world today you know the kinds of craziness and things happening in the world today is evidence of the departure of god from the people it is not simply that people do not come to church and do not believe in god the departure of god from their minds has caused them to become mad madness right is really like encompassing the world in so many ways and what so many people believe and what so many people defend, um, and 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 without reason, you know, it, it reminded me actually of Nebuchadnezzar, when Nebuchadnezzar for a time God allowed him to lose all sense, and he became like an animal, and he walked around on his uh, hands and feet like an animal, right? Because apart from God, like the, the human being is just like an animal. They, we, we have no reason. Being made in the image of God, God imparts in us reason, just as God is reason. And of course, the Logos, the Son of God, he is the source of all reason and understanding. And we are made in his image. So when we are made in his image, okay, we also are imparted the reason. But those who depart from God, and as a whole society and a culture, who departs from God, all that reason will depart from us. And we will find ourselves no better than animals. No, 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 not able to think, not able to, to understand, to perceive, to discern, to even have, like, like even when you, when you go to a person who has lost all sense and has fallen into insanity, no matter what type of reason and arguments that you bring them, no, what, no amount of evidence or proof, no, no amount of speaking to them is going to cause them to agree or to change their mind because they are so far gone that there is no ability, right, in them to, to understand the truth so blinded to where they simply cannot see. Just like a blind person, no matter how hard they try, they cannot see light. Like a blind person, there is nothing they can do to see. They are they are blind. And this is the equivalent, but on the level of the mind, right? We are so blinded, somebody being so blinded that they cannot even perceive the simple, obvious truth that is in front of them. It is impossible for them to agree with it, right? To accept it. And instead, they make up and invent things um, that that satisfy their own desires and lusts and certainly this is what St. Paul said that is going to happen in the latter times, right? That men be, will become lovers of themselves, lovers of pleasure, lovers of money, right? That, 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 that these desires and these um, inclinations are going to be so consuming and, and the, the people will have departed from God that there will be no more sense in anyone, right? And this is what we see here in Ahab and what he's done. This is what we see in our society today. Um, unfortunately. Then the word of the Lord came to Elijah the Tishpite, saying, Arise, go down to meet Ahab, king of Israel, who lives in Samaria. There he is in the vineyard of Naboth, where he has gone down to take possession of it. You shall speak to him, saying, Thus says the Lord. Have you murdered and also taken possession? And you shall speak to him, saying, Thus says the Lord. In the place where dogs lick the blood of Naboth, dogs shall lick your blood, even yours. One thing that is striking about this is who is Naboth? Naboth is a nobody. Like he's not a man of importance. This is not like, he's not like a king or someone like high official. He's just a random guy who owns a vineyard, right? Uh, But he was mistreated, right? And and unjustly treated by the king. And this came to the mind of God. Obviously, we know that God sees all things. But it's not just that God saw and he just saw it happen. But it, it came to his mind and he said, no, there has to be justice right there has to be justice think of all of the people that ahab has mistreated all the people that ahab has killed all the people that have been led astray by ahab and jezebel and yet for this man right god says no i will bring him justice right and so we see how god brings justice to those people who have no one to fight for them have no one to bring justice for them the poor the needy the helpless these people whom god is always aware of and sees that even if the society and the culture and the people have forgotten them and, and bring them no justice. Do not bring them what they deserve. And yet God sees them, and will bring them. What is it that they deserve in justice at the right time? Okay, because Naboth again, he he wasn't a person of importance for God to pay attention to him, but God did, and he saw him, and he is responding now. So Ahab said to Elijah, Have you found me, O my enemy? And he answered, I have found you because you have sold yourself to do evil in the sight of the Lord. Again, this idea of selling yourself, it's even the way he's phrasing it, what is someone who sells themselves? They're what? What do we call someone who sells themselves? Slave. Right? A slave. Even here, as the king believes that as the king, he is the one in control, he is the one with authority, he's the one who can command, he's the one who can obtain for himself all things. He speaks a word and everyone listens to him. So in his mind, in the mind of someone with such authority, they are not a slave. They're the opposite of slave. They are the master. They're the ones who can command and control and everyone does exactly what they want. Someone in such a position would never consider themselves to be a slave. But in the eyes of God, what is Ahab? He is a slave, a slave of evil. Because the evil that is attached to him is the one who is controlling him and commanding him. That actually, which, who is he really worshipping and who is really commanding him? It is the devil. The devil is is operating in the world through him okay and this also is what we see in our world today whether it be individually in each of us whenever we fall into sin right whenever we listen to the temptation of the devil but even as a whole like maybe people can look around and they can see different groups you know like sometimes i'll talk to people and they'll be like speaking about certain political groups or certain people who said certain things certain people who are promoting evil ideas and whatnot And it's easy for us to begin to direct our energy in a kind of a political way to try to stop a certain group. You know, we want to stop this particular group. We want to elect this specific person. We want to do this. And I'm not saying this wrong, right? But what is behind all the evil in the world? What is behind those people who are preaching evil, those people who are wanting to bring evil ideologies into the world, who is really behind it? Just like St. Paul said to the Ephesians in Ephesians chapter six, you know, our enemies are not flesh and blood, but they are spiritual, right? The, 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 the spiritual hosts of wickedness, the principalities, the evil spirits, the, the work of Satan who manipulates us, manipulates the world in order for us to fall away from God and to begin to defile our mind so that we pursue evil rather than good. And this process, um, of course, has been happening for generations, for thousands of years, all since the time of Adam and Eve that we have, that the devil has been trying to corrupt God's creation. And, and of course, the pinnacle of that is humanity. So um, here, Elijah, uh, uh, Ahab is an example of someone who has become a slave to sin, right, who is un- unable to perceive the truth, unable to work and, and, and make good choices and to understand himself and to resist temptation, but someone who completely accepts any temptation that comes to me is something that I am I'm going to obtain for myself whatever it is that I desire, no matter what I have to do, no matter who I have to kill, no matter anything, because this is just what I want, right? It is a very self-centered and selfish um, view. So Elijah sees him rightly. He says, I have found you because you have sold yourself to do evil in the sight of the Lord. Behold, I will bring calamity on you. I will take away your posterity, and I will cut off from Ahab every male in Israel, both bond and free. I will make your house like the house of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, and like the house of Basha, the son of Ahijah, because of the provocation with which you have provoked me to anger and made Israel sin. And concerning Jezebel, the Lord also spoke, saying, The dog shall eat Jezebel by the wall of Jezreel. The dog shall eat whoever belongs to Ahab and dies in the city, and the birds of the air shall eat whoever dies in the field. So, he is bringing swift condemnation, and God is declaring this condemnation on Ahab. and we see time and time and time again that God keeps giving Ahab the opportunity for repentance, the opportunity to avoid this um, calamity and this judgment on him. and every time I mean right before this in the previous chapter we we're talking about how God uh, a prophet came to to Ahab and gave him told him instructions of how he was to defeat the king of Syria, right. All these ways that God is showing mercy to Ahab, giving him time and chance and, and, and being patient with him, and yet he keeps coming back again to this sin. Okay. And to this point, we can understand sin in the sense of that this is an addiction to sin. When we speak about the passions, the passion is like the addiction to sin, the sin factory, right? The the weakness inherent in us that causes us to sin, right? You know, maybe maybe I struggle in my life with a specific sin or variations of a sin for years and years and years because inherently in me there is a passion, there is a weakness that causes me to keep coming back to this um, this 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 weakness, this this temptation, this 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 sin that I keep committing. So here, Ahab is like he is he is in the cycle that he is unable to break from. And the reason he's unable to break from it is because God is not in his life. God is not there illuminating him. God is not there um, enlightening him, giving him, kind of um, restoring his freedom, breaking him free from his bondage, right? So any one of us who is seeking to overcome the passions that we have, um, simply through our sheer efforts, there is no success, right? It is only through seeking the power of God, asking for God's help and assistance to be with us in this fight and this battle that we can overcome sin and temptation no matter how long it is that we have been struggling with it. But there was no one like Ahab who sold himself to do wickedness in the sight of the Lord because Jezebel, his wife, stirred him up. Right Again, mentioning here the role of Jezebel. Right, And we can also look at this in, in terms of like the people that we kind of allow ourselves to have company with what kind of influence they have on us that there could be some who lead us to god and some who lead us very very far from god so we should be very careful of who we allow ourselves to spend time with and he behaved very abominably in following idols according to all that the amorites had done whom the lord had cast out of out before the children of israel so it was And this is interesting. So it was when Ahab heard those words that he tore his clothes and put sackcloth on his body and fasted and lay in sackcloth and went about mourning. What do you think about this? Have we ever heard Ahab do this before? No. Like, What was the first time we heard about Ahab? What was the conversation between Ahab and Elijah the first time we talked about Ahab? About the rain, right? God told Ahab, uh, God told Elijah, go to Ahab and tell him that it's not going to rain, okay, until, until the word of Elijah. And Ahab brushed him off. And even after the drought came, right, and they suffered for three years, Ahab was unwilling to, to move, right? God is like whittling down Ahab. He is again, like we said, giving him every opportunity. And all of these opportunities or many of the opportunities are in the form of some kind of suffering. You know, we ask sometimes, why does God allow us to suffer? Uh, Sometimes the suffering of God is to get our attention, is to get us to look at him. Instead of looking at ourselves or looking at the world around us or looking only at the things that we desire and seeking to obtain, like Ahab is always doing, but instead to look at God. Is to see God is present God is here god is is telling us something we are not the lords of our own lives, but God is and he is wanting to get our attention so here when when um it was made clear to him from Elijah the suffering that he is going to in, 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 endure, he actually acknowledged his sin right tore his clothes, put on sackcloth right and fasted and lay uh, uh, uh and and lay down went about mourning now. Just to review, what is it that God said would happen to him? Okay, back here. He said, I will make your house like the house of Jeroboam, um, because you have provoked me to anger and made Israel sin. So this is, like, you you, you are responsible for the sin of the whole nation. Like, all of my children, you are responsible for corrupting them. Okay? Concerning Jezebel, the Lord also spoke, saying, well, before this part, he says... um, Bring calamity on, on you. I will take away your posterity and will cut off from Ahab every male in Israel, both bond and free. Um, and, and he said uh, here, in the place where dogs lick the blood of Naboth, dogs shall lick your blood, even yours. So like every thing that could be painful and difficult to hear, you're going to die a brutal death. The dogs are going to lick your, your, your bones dry. You're going to, your whole family is going to lose um, the kingdom. Um, you will suffer. You will be punished. Like every possible kind of thing that is going to come. Is going to come upon you, okay? And so after hearing this, Ahab repented. How do you think God is going to respond now?
1: God could accept his repentance, but he doesn't have to take away the consequence still.
0: Okay, God could accept his repentance, but he doesn't have to take away the consequence. And in this case, the consequence is all those things that he said. Just like the right-hand thief, even though he repented, even though, uh, while being crucified, but that didn't like, save him from death. So the right-hand thief was still crucified because he was a thief, but he obtained salvation and forgiveness at the last minute. Okay, good. What do you think God is going to do here? accepts it right so what does it say and the word of the lord came to elijah the tishbite saying see how ahab has humbled himself before me because he has humbled himself before me i will not bring the calamity in his days in the days of his son i will bring the calamity on his house so how do you feel about this response What 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 does this tell us about God? I hear whispering in the back. What is the answer? Huh? It's not fair. Hmm. Yes, okay. It's not fair for who?
1: Ahab's son. I think actually with Ahab, he's being like very long suffering. Mm-hmm. I didn't expect that he was going to give him another chance But for his son. Like, why would why should he bear the consequences? Obviously, he's probably going to be bad as well.
0: Yeah. But yeah, I mean, this doesn't mean that Ahab's son is going to be like the best guy ever. But yet, despite of that, he's going to be s- punished. Right. That's not what this is saying. This is more of a uh, this is more of like a, a prophecy in a sense. He's saying, Yes, I will I, w- I will I will um refrain from from carrying this out in your own life. But of course, God knows what is going to happen in the next generation and what his son is going to do, right? But he is still here. Like like I guess what I'm what I'm getting at is Ahab did so many bad things, right? And he caused so many people to suffer. And he just arranged for the murder of this man, okay? And took his vineyard from him but what is it that turned the heart of God after God was so like like angry and wrathful toward him and telling him all these things that he is going to do it turned what turned the heart of God is what his repentance like we take for granted that God accepts repentance like because oftentimes we we fall into all kinds of sins and then we think to ourselves well I'm going to go and confess and God is going to um forgive me. But that's not a cheap thing. Like that's not a cheap thing. Like if with with each of us, like if somebody were to have done all these things to me, I I don't know like if I could have just like f- if I see that person um kind of showing humility and saying they're sorry, would I be able to 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 spare them from all of this? Right? Like like God's mercy is unparalleled. This is why Like any time that we fall into any kind of sin and we find ourselves struggling to believe that God is actually forgiving, that God is actually accepting our repentance, that God actually is removing our sin completely from us, any time we are struggling to believe this, then we just have to look at this example of Ahab. Because all of the evil that he has done... All these different kinds of evil and bringing idol worship into Israel, making all of Israel to sin. That's what, one of the things that, that God accused him of, right? So it wasn't even just the personal sin that he made. It wasn't even just the sin of killing a man. It, 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 it was the sin of bringing the entire nation to idol worship, okay? Um, and yet, even then, at that point, when God was condemning him, Kind of at the last second, at the last minute, him turning and 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 really humbling himself, of course, this wasn 't a show; God knows his heart whether he is truly repenting or not. Um, he says, what See how Ahab has humbled himself before me because he has humbled himself before me. I will not bring the calamity in his days, so it tells us something about the the patience of God to so the point of the fairness, right and um I believe it's in Second Peter. Um, let me read it for you. okay, sorry it's second Peter three nine it says what um, Actually, we'll start reading from a litter before that okay um, in verse three second peter three three it says knowing this first that scoffers will come in the last days walking according to their own lusts. And saying, where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. Meaning what? Meaning these people who are coming and the last time scoffing against God, they're saying, God said that he was going to judge the world because of sin. Right? And all those who came before, right? They said that, they, that God is going to come judge the world because of sin. But where is he? The, everything is continuing as it was. Okay? Where is the promise of his coming? Didn't he promise that he was going to come to judge? But he has not come to judge, right? He's letting everything go, and, and maybe we see this. like We feel like, why is God allowing things to go become as crazy as they are? Okay, um, For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. I mean, generation after generation after generation has passed, and everything is the same. right? Where is, where is this, this, this big judgment that God said he's going to ha- condemn the wicked? For this they willfully forget, that by the word of God the heavens were of old, and the earth standing out of water and in the water, by which the world that then existed perished and being flooded with water. But the heavens and the earth, which are now preserved by the same word, are reserved for fire until the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. Meaning there is still going to be a judgment by fire, a perdition of the ungodly. But beloved, do not forget this one thing that with the Lord, one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years as it one day. Meaning, what we consider to be a long time, right, in terms of we're waiting for God to bring judgment, but in the eyes of God, this is just a very short time. So we can't, we can't think from a human perspective and say, Why, God, are you taking so long to judge and to condemn the wicked? The Lord is not slack concerning his promise. The promise meaning that he is going to bring justice. And he is going to um, condemn the wicked, as some count slackness. But is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And so this is what we see here with Ahab. This is actually why God continues to send Elijah to talk to Ahab, right? Why is it that he keeps sending these prophets to go and talk to Ahab? Because he wants to win him, right? Like he want he he, he would rather not condemn. And of course, God does everything while also respecting our free will. So he's giving Ahab all these opportunities in order to change, to repent, right? And it is up to Ahab to respond. This is why, of course, maybe we consider it to be unfair, kind of like in the parable of the workers of the vineyard, where the 11th hour workers came at the end, and even though they didn't do any work, they ended up getting the same wage as those people who were there from the very beginning, who who worked the entire day. And those workers that came to the beginning were grumbling against those who came at the end, and they said, this is not fair. Like, why is it that you are giving the same wage to those who came at the end as to the beginning? This is the work of mercy, right? The work of mercy is that God does not give us what we deserve. He gives us far better than what we deserve. And even in our own life, like, it's easy for us to point to someone like Ahab, and we say, Ahab is a wicked man, and he did all these wicked things. Why, God, are you accepting his repentance now? But we also have wickedness. Like We also do wicked things. We also are sinners. And we ask God to have mercy on us. I think the most important thing to take away from this is that indeed God is merciful. Indeed God is merciful to all of us. Um, and we do not deserve his mercy. And we see it manifested here. And in, in, in among like the worst of the sinners, um, King Ahab, even whom God himself said, there is no one as wicked as you. right? There is no one as wicked as you. And yet the one whom the God says there is no one as wicked as you, He's willing to refrain from judgment, which truly shows, like the unparalleled mercy of God. Any questions about this chapter? Okay. So we're going to go back to kind of um, some more political things now happening in um, you know. We spent several chapters speaking about what happened at the time of Ahab with Eli- with Elijah. Okay. <coughs> Now three years passed without war between Syria and Israel. Then it came to pass in the third year that Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, went down to visit the king of Israel. Okay, so remember Israel is the northern kingdom. Judah is the southern kingdom. Okay, where are we right now? Here we are. Um, you see Jehoshaphat there on the left. He is the king of Judah. And we see Ahab. Okay. He is the we've been speaking about him now as being uh, the king in Israel. And keep in mind there uh, Ahaziah, there's two Ahaziahs, okay? There's the Ahaziah, the son of Ahab, and there's the Ahaziah, the son of Jehoram, the son of Jehoshaphat. okay So we we'll just try to keep that um, in mind. Also also not to be a source of confusion, but there the, there's a Jehoram who is the son of Jehoshaphat on the left, okay, and there's Joram, the son of Ahaziah on the right, and sometimes Joram is called also Jehoram. So again, just need to make sure we understand who's being spoken of. Okay. So Jehoshaphat, yes.
1: Uh, are these so at the end of the chapter so jehoshaphat outlived ahab right
0: um jehoshaphat
1: like according to the end of this chapter right it says w- so ahab
0: is still alive by the end of this chapter he didn't die yet oh yeah so no, but it
1: says ahaziah the son of ahab became king over israel in the 17th year of jehoshaphat king of judah
0: Uh, Which, where are you reading?
1: 51. Sorry, it's towards the end, but I just... End of 21? uh, No, no. Verse 51 of... uh, 22? Of chapter 22,
0: yeah. Man, we haven't gotten there yet.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's because you were showing... The
0: timeline model is probably not the scale. Yeah, yeah, and it's possible that it's like the spacing between everything is not like exactly lining up like we had a, like a there was is there we had the king that was only king for like 6 days yeah. like like they need to make a room t- for his name yeah Nice. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay so then it came to pass in the 3rd year that Jehoshaphat the king of Judah went down to visit the king of Israel so for the first time now we're going to start to see some cooperation between the kings okay some 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 joint military uh campaigns uh between the two kings So, Jehoshaphat from the southern kingdom went to visit the king of Israel. Now, you see how it says the king of Judah went down to visit the king of Israel, even though Israel is north? Altitude? Yes. So, um, Jerusalem was built on a mountain, right? Mount Zion, right? So, they would go down the mountain in order to travel, right? So, that's what it means when it says went down.
1: i've heard of that like when they would say go down to egypt that it was symbolic of like you going to the bad place does the same thing apply here or is it just the altitude in
0: some places it does apply like when you look at things symbolically like in for instance in the in the parable of the good samaritan in the parable of the good samaritan it says that the the man who is traveling he came down from jerusalem so so that the, the it could—it's it's referring to also like he's coming down like altitude-wise, but in the in the symbolic interpretation of the fathers, where Jerusalem is like heaven, and and the earth like the fall—it's like representing the fall of man, right? So yes, sometimes it symbolically means that. And the king of Israel said to his servants, "Do you know that Ramoth in Gilead is ours? But we hesitate to take it out of the hand of the king of Syria." Okay, so there are some um places that were part of israel like the territory of israel um but had been conquered by syria okay so now these kings are like talking about let's reconquer again the territory that had been taken by syria so here when it says the king of israel who is the king of israel ahab still here okay just not mentioning him by name and the king of judah is jehoshaphat So he said to Jehoshaphat, will you go with me to fight at Ramoth Gilead? Jehoshaphat said to the king of Israel, I am as you are, my people as your people, my horses as your horses. So we see, again, there is now this kind of spirit of cooperation and unity that is starting to develop between the two countries, two kingdoms. Also, Jehoshaphat said to the king of Israel, Please inquire for the word of the Lord today. So before they go on this campaign to try to um, fight and, 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 and bring Ramoth Gilead back again into the kingdom, he said, let us inquire of the Lord. Okay, we want to inquire to see if God is wanting us to do this and with us in this battle. Then the king of Israel gathered the prophets together, about 400 men, and said to them, Shall I go against Ramoth Gilead to fight, or shall I refrain? So they said, go up, for the Lord will deliver it into the hand of the king. So these 400 prophets, they are actually false prophets. Okay? These were not God's prophets. They were just self-proclaimed prophets or people who were like the prophets of the idols. Okay? So the king is going here to these men, referring to them as prophets, because he knew that they were going to tell him what he wants to hear. Right? So they were like advisors who are not really telling him the truth but they were just giving him information that he wants to hear and jehoshaphat said is there not still a prophet of the lord here that we may inquire of him meaning like all of these prophets that you're inquiring about right but what about a prophet of the lord so the king of israel said to jehoshaphat there is still one man micaiah the son of imla by whom we may inquire of the lord but i hate him because he does not prophesy good concerning me but evil and Jehoshaphat said, Let not the king say such things. Okay? So Micaiah, again, as a true prophet, he would always say what God was really thinking and what he wanted. But the king didn't want to hear. And again, it brings to mind um, this verse in Second Timothy chapter 4 where St. Paul is saying, For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. But according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers. Itching ears means like the people who seek those who will condone and validate their own lifestyles and ideas. So to have itching ears means that I am seeking only to hear from those people who validate me and say what I want to hear. And so St. Paul is saying that in the last days, right, this is what the people are going to do. The people are only going to seek after those who are going to tell them what they want to hear and justify their own beliefs and actions. Okay? And this is exactly here what King Ahab is wanting to do. He wants to go to war. He wants to reclaim this territory. He wants to get God's approval for it. So he is finding those who are going to say, yes, God is approving this. Then the king of Israel called an officer and said, Bring Micaiah, the son of Imlah, quickly. The king of Israel and Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, having put on their robes, sat each on his throne at a threshing floor at the entrance of the gate of Samaria, and all the prophets prophesied before them. Now Zedekiah, the son of Chenanah, had made horns of iron for himself, and he said, Thus says the Lord, With these you shall gore the Syrians until they are destroyed. So Zedekiah was one of these 400 prophets. He was coming to say um, that uh, God is saying that uh, these these iron horns that I have here, you are going to gore the Syrians in battle um, until they are destroyed. And all the prophets prophesied so, saying, Go up to Ramoth Gilead and prosper, for the Lord will deliver it into the king's hand. Then the messenger who had uh, gone to call Micaiah spoke to him, saying, Now listen, the words of the prophets with one accord encourage the king. Please let your word be like the word of one of them and speak encouragement. So he's telling the prophet what he should prophesy, okay? And Micaiah said, as the Lord lives, whatever the Lord says to me, that I will speak. Then he came to the king, and the king said to him, Micaiah, shall we go to war against Ramoth Gilead, or shall we refrain? And he said to him, go and prosper, for the Lord will deliver it into the hand of the king. Why is he saying this? It's not. Yeah. So why is he saying this? So he's almost saying it sarcastically because the king knows that he's not going to tell him what he wants to hear, which is why he didn't want him to come to begin with. So he's like coming to the king and he's telling him exactly what he wants to hear and the king knows that he's lying right now. He knows that this is not the truth. He's just hes just going to say it because he's saying, well, isn't this what you want me to say? Don't you want me to just tell you like everybody else? Okay, here, I'm going to tell you like everybody else, right? How does the king respond? So the king said to him, how many times shall I make you swear that you tell me nothing but the truth in the name of the Lord? So he's saying, no, I know that you, what you're telling me is not true. Tell me what God said to you. Then he said, I saw all Israel scattered on the mountains as sheep that have no shepherd. And the Lord said, These have no master. Let each return to his house in peace. And the king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, Did I not tell you he would not prophesy good concerning me but evil? So the the prophecy here, the real prophecy, is that the people are going to be scattered. You're going to go try to fight. You're not going to be successful. The people are going to be scattered. And so now when he's telling him the reality of what it is, So the king of Israel, Ahab, he's speaking to Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, and he's saying, see, this is what I told you. He's always going to prophesy something negative toward me. Then Micaiah said, therefore, hear the word of the Lord. I saw the Lord sitting on his throne and all the host of heaven standing by on his right hand and on his left. And the Lord said, who will persuade Ahab to go up that he may fall at Ramoth Gilead? So one spoke in this manner and another spoke in that manner. Then a spirit came forward and stood before the Lord and said, I will persuade him. The Lord said to him, In what way? So he said, I will go out and be a lying spirit in the mouth of all his prophets. And the Lord said, You shall persuade him and also prevail. Go out and do so. Therefore, look, the Lord has put a lying spirit in the mouth of all these prophets of yours, and the Lord has declared disaster against you. Now Zedekiah, the son of Chenana. Chanana went near and struck Micaiah on the cheek and said, which way did the spirit from the Lord go from me to speak to you? And Micaiah said, indeed, you shall see on that day when you go into an inner chamber to hide. So Micaiah is revealing that he saw this vision where there are these lying, deceiving spirits that are speaking to Ahab through these false prophets. And he's telling uh, Ahab that all these prophets of yours have been deceived and they are lying to you and telling you false things and so one of those prophets is now upset you know saying you're saying that what i'm saying is through like these demonic spirits right um and and micaiah is responding says you will see you're going to see what's going to happen when he goes to war you're going to see what's going to happen so the king of israel said take micaiah and return him to Ammon the governor of the city and to Joash the king's son and say thus says the king put this fellow in prison and feed him with the bread of affliction and water of affliction until I come in peace so they put Micaiah in the prison while they are now going to go to the war Hmm?
1: I have a question so is this the same uh, prophet Micah who wrote the book
0: no this is not Okay, this is Micaiah Yeah, this is not the same. But Micaiah said, if you ever return in peace, the Lord has not spoken by me. And he said, take heed all you people. So he's very convinced that all the people are going to go to battle. They're going to die and they're not going to return. So the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, went up to Ramoth Gilead. And the king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, I will disguise myself and go into battle. But you put on your robes. So the king of Israel disguised himself and went into battle. So Ahab okay, um, and Jehoshaphat, um, or Ahab said to Jehoshaphat that he wants to go to the battle but disguised because they know he knows that he is going to be a target. So he doesn't want anyone to know who he is. Now the king of Syria had commanded the 32 captains of his chariot saying, Fight with no one, small or great, but only with the king of Israel. Okay so the Syrian army had commanded that um that they only seek to kill Ahab. So he's saying don't fight with anyone except Ahab. Find Ahab and kill him. Don't be distracted with anyone else. Yes. Uh yes. Okay. Yeah.
1: So he's basically turning on the the treaty, yeah they had made.
0: yeah, yeah,
1: okay, and then the second question is, uh what was the second question? oh, why is Jehoshaphat going with this <laughs> like I understand, okay, Ahab is you know he doesn't care for God's prophet, but but Jehoshaphat asked for God's prophet, and God's prophet came and said, you're gonna lose, and he still went ahead and
0: that's a good question um you know in in this you know even though jehoshaphat we consider him to be a good king in the sense that he did not promote idol worship but during this whole time right there is so much like confusion um about how how the people should be living you know there was a time where people would have like unconditional submission to the will of god god tells us to go here we go here god tells us not to go here we don't go here But even from before, there would be times where people would um, disobey God, right? Like God tells them to do something, but they do something different. So this is a weakness. I mean, Jehoshaphat here, even though we consider him to be a righteous king, but this is a mistake. You know, he should have said, no, um, the prophet of God says that we should not go, so we should not go. But instead, he was maybe more interested politically to have some kind of union and, and peace with Israel. Um, so he didn't want Ahab to, like, you didn't want to make a reason for him to be in conflict with Ahab, and so he decided to go. You know, it's possible. It's not really clear why, but definitely, like, as you said, Jehoshaphat could have, like, stood up and and, and said, no, this isn't right. And it happened when the captains of the chariots saw that it was not the king of Israel, they turned back from pursuing him. Wait, did we read this already? No, we didn't read this, right? So it was when the captains of the chariots saw Jehoshaphat that they said, surely it is the king of Israel. Therefore they said, they turned aside to fight against him, and Jehoshaphat cried out. So they found Jehoshaphat, but when they realized that wasn't Ahab, they decided not to pursue him because they were told only pursue Ahab, right? So when they saw it wasn't him, they turned back from pursuing him. Now a certain man drew a bow at random and struck the king of Israel between the joints of his armor. So he said to the driver of his chariot, "Turn around and take me out of the battle, for I am wounded." So an arrow struck him while he was um, in the chariot. The battle increased that day, and the king was propped up in his chariot facing the Syrians and died at evening. So Ahab actually he had a mortal wound. The blood ran out from the wound onto the floor of the chariot. Then as the sun was going down, a shout went throughout the army, saying, Every man to his city and every man to his own country. So the king died and was brought to Samaria, and they buried the king in Samaria. Then someone washed the chariot at a pool in Samaria, and the dogs licked up his blood while the harlots bathed according to the word of the Lord, which which he had spoken. So... Like he, he died, but the greater of the punishments that God had declared was still going to come in the life of his son. Now the rest of the acts of Ahab and all that he did, the ivory house which he built and all the cities that he built, are they not written in the book of the chronicles of the kings of Israel? So Ahab rested with his fathers, then Ahaziah his son reigned in his place. Jehoshaphat, the son of Asa, had become king over Judah in the fourth year of Ahab, king of Israel. So remember sometimes we kind of like go back in time a little bit. So we're going back a little bit in time and now speaking about the kingdom of Judah. This is the same Jehoshaphat that we were just talking about. Jehoshaphat, the son of Asa, had become king over Judah in the fourth year of Ahab, king of Israel. Jehoshaphat was 35 years old when he became king and he reigned 25 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Azuba, the daughter of Shilhi and he walked in all the ways of his father Asa. Asa was a righteous king. He did not turn aside from them, doing what was right in the eyes of the Lord. Nevertheless, the high places were not taken away, for the people offered sacrifices and burned incense on the high places. Also, Jehoshaphat made peace with the king of Israel. So he he did not completely end idol worship in Israel, but he was promoting the worship of God. Now the rest of the acts of Jehoshaphat the might that he showed and how he made war are they not written in the book of Ju- the chronicles of the kings of Judah? And the rest of the perverted persons who remained in the days of his father Asa, he banished from the land. There was then no kingdom, no king in Edom, only a deputy of the king. So Edom, Edom is the descendants of Esau. They were a kingdom to the south of Israel. Okay, so it's saying in this kingdom there was no king. Okay, only a deputy of the king. Jehoshaphat made merchants. To go to Ophir for gold, remember Ophir is the place that King Solomon obtained gold for building his house in the temple. But they never sailed, for the ships were wrecked at Ezion-Geber. Then Ahaziah the son of Ahab said to Jehoshaphat, let my servants go with your servants and the ships, but Jehoshaphat would not. And Jehoshaphat rested with his fathers, was buried with with his fathers in the city of David, his father. Then Jehoram, his son, reigned in his place. So Jehoram is the son of Jehoshaphat to become king of Judah, where Ahaziah, the king of Ahab, is now the king of Israel. Ahaziah, the son of Ahab, became king over Israel and Samaria in the 17th year of Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, and reigned two years over Israel. He did evil in the sight of the Lord and walked in the way of his father and in the way of his mother and in the way of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, who had made Israel sin. For he served Baal and worshipped him and provoked the Lord God of Israel to anger according to all that his father had done. So remember, this is the one that God said, all of these punishments are going to come in your life. And the reason is because he is living very wickedly. This is the end um, of the book. Um, And 2 Kings century just continues from where left off here okay um any final questions or comments about first kings yeah 43.
1: yeah when it says um they were burning into the high places i thought they weren't allowed to sacrifice in the high places
0: they weren't. That's why he was rebuking him here. So he's saying, like Jehoshaphat did a lot to restore the worship of God as his father Asa had done, but he stopped short of destroying the high places, which were um, places that were uh, were used originally and by the, the 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 pagan nations to offer sacrifice to their gods, and Israel had adopted that form of worship, which were they were not supposed to do. So here he's saying, nevertheless the high places were not taken away, right? So he's saying, even though Jehoshaphat was a righteous king, but he stopped short of destroying the high places. I mean, I mean it, it doesn't say, but there, there's a lot of reasons why it could be. Like So for instance, if the people were accustomed to a certain type of worship, um, then for the king to come and say, well, I'm going to destroy these places, maybe he maybe would have lost support maybe it would have caused civil unrest. Um, Also, maybe there were compromises, you know, like later on when Josiah becomes king, um, the, 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 the nation would have gone for so long without even knowing what God's commands were, that when they discover the book of the law, after it had been lost in the time of King Josiah, and they read it, they realize that they have been living contrary to God's commands for so many years without even knowing. So, the, there, there is a sense like after living for so many generations living in sin the people don't even realize what is right and wrong right like they're just kind of like doing what their previous generation had done and so things are kind of like falling more and more and more into like chaos and ar- anarchy and everyone just kind of doing what was right in their own eyes as opposed to saying well let's go back to what god commanded and do so there are certainly a lot of things here a lot of imperfections even the righteous kings aren't necessarily doing everything the way that god is commanding and some of them might not even be aware of what really everything god is commanded to do and again like at the time of josiah all of that revived again because they discovered the book of the law and everything that was written in it okay um i do wanted to ask you like in preparation for the next bible study that we have would you like to continue with second kings and continue kind of this narrative all the way or would you like to switch to a different book There's one vote for continue. Should I make it like a YouTube uh, poll? We can just ask the people here. (laughs) Who wants to continue? Oh, wow. Okay. All right. We'll continue. (laughs) Okay. Let's pray. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, one God. Amen. We thank you, O Lord, for this day. We ask, O God. That you prepare our hearts for this coming Holy Week and that during this time you expose, O Lord, all of the things that are not right in our hearts, all the ways, O God, that we are also worshipping idols and that we are reserving ourselves for those things which are wicked. Help us to learn from the examples of those people in the scripture that you have provided for us as lessons and examples, whether as examples of righteousness or examples of sinfulness. We thank you, O Lord, because of your mercy and patience and that because you allow us to approach you despite our sin, we ask, O God, that you accept our repentance, that you restore us again to yourself and you fill us, O Lord, with uh, a real faith and knowledge of our forgiveness in your sight. We thank you for your goodness and your mercy. We thank you, O Lord, for your suffering on the cross for our sake. Help us during this coming week to be prepared and to stand and sit at the foot of the cross with you and observing your passion and learning from you, and seeing, O Lord, the true love that you have for all of us. Through the prayers of St. Mary, Archangel Michael, St. Paul, St. Mark, and all your saints, hear us as we pray thankfully. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done